Chapter Twelve of Against the Grain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Against the Grain by Joris Carl Wiesmans. Translated by John Howard. Chapter Twelve, Part Two with the comte de falloux the episcopal style so stupidly handled by the prelates recruited new strength and in a manner recovered its masculine vigour under his guise of moderation this academician exuded gall the discourse which he delivered to parliament in eighteen forty eight was diffuse and abject but his articles, first printed in the Correspondant, and since collected into books, were mordant and discerning under the exaggerated politeness of their form. Conceived as harangues, they contained a certain strong muscular energy, and were astonishing in the intolerance of their convictions a dangerous polemist because of his ambuscades a shrewd logician executing flanking movements and attacking unexpectedly the comte de falloux had also written striking penetrating pages on the death of madame Svetchin, whose tracts he had collected and whom he revered as a saint but the true temperament of the writer was betrayed in the two brochures which appeared in 1848 and 1880, the latter entitled L'Unité Nationale. Moved by a cold rage, the implacable legitimist this time fought openly, contrary to his custom, and hurled against the infidels in the form of a peroration such fulminating invectives as these and you systematic utopians who make an abstraction of human nature fomenters of atheism fed on chimerae and hatreds emancipators of woman destroyers of the family genealogists of the simian race you whose name was but lately an outrage be satisfied you shall have been the prophets and your disciples will be the high priests of an abominable future the other brochure bore the title le parti catholique and was directed against the despotism of the univers and against veuillou whose name he refused to mention here the sinuous attacks were resumed venom filtered beneath each line when the gentleman clad in blue answered the sharp physical blows of the fighter with scornful sarcasms these contestants represented the two parties of the church the two factions whose differences were resolved into virulent hatreds de falloux the more haughty and cunning belonged to the liberal camp which already claimed montalembert and cochin lacordaire and de broglie he subscribed to the principles of the correspondant 
a review which attempted to cover the imperious theories of the church with a varnish of tolerance Veuillot, franker and more open scorned such masks unhesitatingly admitted the tyranny of the ultramontane doctrines and confessed with a certain compunction the pitiless yoke of the church's dogma for the conduct of this verbal warfare Veuillot had made himself master of a special style partly borrowed from la bruyere and du gros caillou this half solemn half slang style had the force of a tomahawk in the hands of this vehement personality strangely headstrong and brave he had overwhelmed both free thinkers and bishops with this terrible weapon charging at his enemies like a bull regardless of the party to which they belonged distrusted by the church which would tolerate neither his contraband style nor his fortified theories he had nevertheless overawed everybody by his powerful talent incurring the attack of the entire press which he effectively thrashed in his odeur de paris coping with every assault freeing himself with a kick of the foot of all the wretched hack writers who had presumed to attack him unfortunately this undisputed talent only existed in pugilism at peace Veuillot was no more than a mediocre writer his poetry and novels were pitiful his language was vapid when it was not engaged in a striking controversy in repose he changed uttering banal litanies and mumbling childish hymns more formal more constrained and more serious was the beloved apologist of the church ozanam the inquisitor of the christian language although he was very difficult to understand des Esseintes never failed to be astonished by the insouciance of this writer who spoke confidently of god's impenetrable designs although he felt obliged to establish proof of the improbable assertions he advanced with the utmost self-confidence he deformed events contradicted with greater impudence even than the panegyrists of other parties the known facts of history averred that the church had never concealed the esteem it had for science called heresies impure miasmas and treated buddhism and other religions with such contempt that he apologized for even soiling his catholic prose by onslaught on their doctrines at times religious passion breathed a certain ardour into his oratorical language under the ice of which seethed a violent current in his numerous writings on dante on st francis on the author of the starbat mater on the franciscan poets on socialism on commercial law and every imaginable subject this man pleaded for the defence of the vatican which he held indefectible 
and judged causes and opinions according to their harmony or discord with those that he advanced this manner of viewing questions from a single viewpoint was also the method of that literary scamp netman whom some people would have made the other's rival the latter was less bigoted than the master affected less arrogance and admitted more worldly pretensions he repeatedly left the literary cloister in which ozanam had imprisoned himself and had read secular works so as to be able to judge of them this province he entered gropingly like a child in a vault seeing nothing but shadow around him perceiving in this gloom only the gleam of the candle which illumined the place a few paces before him in this gloom uncertain of his bearings he stumbled at every turn speaking of murger who had the care of a chiselled and carefully finished style of hugo who sought the noisome and unclean and to whom he dared compare de la prade of paul de la croix who scorned the rules of paul de la roche and of the poet Rabout, whom he praised because of their apparent faith des Esseintes could not restrain a shrug of the shoulders before these stupid opinions covered by a borrowed prose whose already worn texture clung or became torn at each phrase in a different way the works of Poujoulat and Genoude, Montalembert, Nicolas and Carnet failed to inspire him with any definite interest. His taste for history was not pronounced, even when treated with the scholarly fidelity and harmonious style of the Duc de Broglie. Nor was his penchant for the social and religious questions, even when broached by Henri Cochin, who revealed his true self in a letter where he gave a stirring account of the taking of the veil at the Sacré-Cœur. He had not touched these books for a long time, and the period was already remote when he had thrown with his waste paper the puerile lucubrations of the gloomy Pont-Martin and the pitiful Féval and long since he had given to his servants for a certain vulgar usage the short stories of obino and la serre in which are recorded wretched hagiographies of miracles effected by dupont of tours and by the virgin in no way did des Esseintes derive even a fugitive distraction from his boredom from this literature the mass of books which he had once studied he had thrown into dim corners of his library shelves when he left the father's school i should have left them in paris he told himself as he turned out some books which were particularly insufferable those of the abbe Lamenet and that impervious sectarian so magisterially so pompously dull and empty the comte joseph de mestre a single volume remained on a shelf within reach of his hand 
it was the um of ernest ello this writer was the absolute opposite of his religious confederates almost isolated among the pious group terrified by his conduct ernest ello had ended by abandoning the open road that led from earth to heaven probably disgusted by the dullness of the journey and the noisy mob of those pilgrims of letters who for centuries followed one after the other upon the same highway marching in each other's steps stopping at the same places to exchange the same commonplace remarks on religion on the church fathers on their similar beliefs on their common masters he had departed through the byways to wander in the gloomy glade of pascal where he tarried long enough to recover his breath before continuing on his way and going even farther in the regions of human thought than the jansenist whom he derided tortuous and precious doctoral and complex Elo, by the piercing cunning of his analysis recalled to des Esseintes the sharp probing investigations of some of the infidel psychologists of the preceding and present century in him was a sort of catholic duranty but more dogmatic and penetrating an experienced manipulator of the magnifying glass a sophisticated engineer of the soul a skilful watchmaker of the brain delighting to examine the mechanism of a passion and elucidate it by details of the wheel-work in this oddly formed mind existed unsurmised relationships of thoughts harmonies and oppositions furthermore he affected a wholly novel manner of action which used the etymology of words as a springboard for ideas whose associations sometimes became tenuous but which almost constantly remained ingenious and sparkling thus despite the awkwardness of his structure he dissected with a singular perspicacity the avare the ordinary man and the passion of unhappiness revealing meanwhile interesting comparisons which could be constructed between the operations of photography and of memory but such skill in handling this perfected instrument of analysis stolen from the enemies of the church represented only one of the temperamental phases of this man still another existed this mind divided itself in two parts and revealed besides the writer the religious fanatic and biblical prophet like hugo whom he now and again recalled in distortions of phrases and words ernest Elo had delighted in imitating saint john of patmos he pontificated and vaticinated from his retreat in the rue saint sulpice haranguing the reader with an apocalyptic language partaking in spots of the bitterness of an isaiah he affected inordinate pretensions of profundity 
there were some fawning and complacent people who pretended to consider him a great man the reservoir of learning the encyclopedic giant of the age perhaps he was a well but one at whose bottom one often could not find a drop of water in his volume parole de dieu he paraphrased the holy scriptures endeavouring to complicate their ordinarily obvious sense in his other book um and in his brochure le jour du seigneur written in a biblical style rugged and obscure he sought to appear like a vengeful apostle prideful and tormented with spleen but showed himself a deacon touched with a mystic epilepsy or like a talented mestre a surly and bitter sectarian but thought des Esseintes, this sickly shamelessness often obstructed the inventive sallies of the casuist with more intolerance than even ozanam he resolutely denied all that pertained to his clan proclaimed the most disconcerting axioms maintained with a disconcerting authority that geology is returning towards moses and that natural history like chemistry and every contemporary science verifies the scientific truth of the bible the proposition on each page was of the unique truth and the superhuman knowledge of the church and everywhere were interspersed more than perilous aphorisms and raging curses cast at the art of the last century to this strange mixture was added the love of sanctimonious delights such as a translation of the vision by angele de foligno a book of an unparalleled fluid stupidity with selected works of jean rusbrock l'admirable a mystic of the thirteenth century whose prose offered an incomprehensible but alluring combination of dusky exaltations caressing effusions and poignant transports the whole attitude of this presumptuous pontiff ello had leaped from a preface written for this book he himself remarked that extraordinary things can only be stammered and he stammered in good truth declaring that the holy gloom where rusbrock extends his eagle wings is his ocean his prey his glory and for such as him the far horizons would be a too narrow garment however this might be des Esseintes felt himself intrigued towards this ill-balanced but subtle mind no fusion had been effected between the skilful psychologist and the pious pedant and the very jolts and incoherences constituted the personality of the man with him was recruited the little group of writers who fought on the front battle-line of the clerical camp they did not belong to the regular army 
but were more properly the scouts of a religion which distrusted men of such talent as Veuillot and Ello, because they did not seem sufficiently submissive and shallow. What the church really desires is soldiers who do not reason. Files of such blind combatants and such mediocrities as Ello describes with the rage of one who has submitted to their yoke. Thus it was that Catholicism had lost no time in driving away one of its partisans, an enraged pamphleteer who wrote in a style at once rare and exasperated, the savage Léon Blois and caused to be cast from the doors of its bookshops, as it would a plague or a filthy vagrant, another writer who had made himself hoarse with celebrating its praises, Barbe d'Orevilly. It is true that the latter was too prone to compromise and not sufficiently docile. Others bent their heads under rebukes and returned to the ranks but he was the enfant terrible and was unrecognized by the party in a literary way he pursued women whom he dragged into the sanctuary nay even that vast disdain was invoked with which catholicism enshrouds talent to prevent excommunication from putting beyond the pale of the law a perplexing servant who, under pretext of honouring his masters, broke the window-panes of the chapel, juggled with the holy pyxes, and executed eccentric dances around the tabernacle. Two works of Barbet d'Orevilly specially attracted des Essaintes, the Prêtre Marié and the Diabolique, others such as the Ensorcelé, the Chevalier des Touches, and une vieille maîtresse were certainly more comprehensive and more finely balanced but they left des Essaintes untouched for he was really interested only in unhealthy works which were consumed and irritated by fever in these all but healthy volumes barbet d'orevilly constantly hesitated between those two pits which the catholic religion succeeds in reconciling mysticism and sadism in these two books which des Essaintes was thumbing barbet had lost all prudence given full rein to his steed and galloped at full speed over roads to their farthest limits all the mysterious horror of the Middle Ages hovered over that improbable book, The Prêtre Marié. Magic blended with religion, black magic with prayer, and more pitiless and savage than the devil himself, the god of original sin, incessantly tortured the innocent Calixte, his reprobate, as once he had caused one of his angels to mark the houses of unbelievers whom he wished to slay conceived by a fasting monk in the grip of delirium these scenes were unfolded in the uneven style of a tortured soul unfortunately among those disordered creatures that were like galvanized coppelias of hoffmann 
some like Neel de Neu, seemed to have been imagined in moments of exhaustion following convulsions, and were discordant notes in this harmony of sombre madness, where they were as comical and ridiculous as a tiny zinc figure playing on a horn on a timepiece. After these mystic divagations, the writer had experienced a period of calm. Then a terrible relapse followed. This belief that man is a buridanesque donkey, a being balanced between two forces of equal attraction which successively remain victorious and vanquished, this conviction that human life is only an uncertain combat waged between hell and heaven, this faith in two opposite beings, Satan and Christ, was fatally certain to engender such inner discords of the soul, exalted by incessant struggle, excited at once by promises and menaces, and ending by abandoning itself to whichever of the two forces persisted in the pursuit the more relentlessly. In the Prêtre Marié, Barbet d'Orévilly sang the praises of Christ, who had prevailed against temptation. In the Diabolique, the author succumbed to the devil whom he celebrated. Then appeared sadism, that bastard of Catholicism, which through the centuries religion has relentlessly pursued with its exorcisms and stakes. This condition, at once fascinating and ambiguous, cannot arise in the soul of an unbeliever. It does not merely consist in sinking oneself in the excesses of the flesh, excited by outrageous blasphemies, for in such a case it would be no more than a case of satyriasis that had reached its climax. Before all, it consists in sacrilegious practice, in moral rebellion, in spiritual debauchery, in a holy ideal aberration, and in this it is exemplarily Christian. It also is founded upon a joy tempered by fear, a joy analogous to the satisfaction of children who disobey their parents and play with forbidden things, for no reason other than that they had been forbidden to do so. In fact, if it did not admit of sacrilege, sadism would have no reason for existence. Besides, the sacrilege proceeding from the very existence of a religion can only be intentionally and pertinently performed by a believer, for no one would take pleasure in profaning a faith that was indifferent or unknown to him. The power of sadism and the attraction it presents lies entirely, then, in the prohibited enjoyment of transferring to Satan the praises and prayers due to God. It lies in the non-observance of Catholic precepts which one really follows unwillingly by committing in deeper scorn of Christ those sins which the Church has especially cursed such as pollution of worship and carnal orgy. 
in its elements this phenomenon to which the marquis de sade has bequeathed his name is as old as the church it had reared its head in the eighteenth century recalling to go back no farther by a simple phenomenon of atavism the impious practices of the sabbath the witches revels of the middle ages by having consulted the maleus maleficarum that terrible code of jacob sprenger which permits the church wholesale burnings of necromancers and sorcerers des essaintes recognized in the witches sabbath all the obscene practices and all the blasphemies of sadism in addition to the unclean scenes beloved by malin the knights successively and lawfully consecrated to excessive sensual orgies and devoted to the bestialities of passion he once more discovered the parody of the processions the insults and eternal threats levelled at god and the devotion bestowed upon his rival while amid cursing of the wine and the bread the black mass was being celebrated on the back of a woman on all fours whose stained bare thighs served as the altar from which the congregation received the communion from a black goblet stamped with an image of a goat this profusion of impure mockeries and foul shames were marked in the career of the marquis de sade who garnished his terrible pleasures with outrageous sacrileges he cried out to the sky invoked lucifer shouted his contempt of god calling him rogue and imbecile spat upon the communion endeavoured to contaminate with vile ordures a divinity who he prayed might damn him the while he declared to defy him the more that he did not exist barbet d'orevilly approached this psychic state if he did not presume as far as de sade in uttering atrocious curses against the saviour if more prudent or more timid he claimed ever to honour the church he none the less addressed his suit to the devil as was done in medieval times and he too in order to brave god fell into demoniac nymphomania inventing sensual monstrosities even borrowing from bedroom philosophy a certain episode which he seasoned with new condiments when he wrote the story le dîner d'un athée this extravagant book pleased des essaintes he had caused to be printed in violet ink and in a frame of cardinal purple on a genuine parchment which the judges of the rota had blessed a copy of the diabolique with characters whose quaint quavers and flourishes in turned-up tails and claws affected a satanic form after certain pieces of baudelaire that in imitation of the clamorous songs of nocturnal revels celebrated infernal litanies this volume alone of all the works of contemporary apostolic literature testified to this state of mind 
at once impious and devout towards which catholicism often thrust des essaintes with barbet d'orevilly ended the line of religious writers and in truth that pariah belonged more from every point of view to secular literature than to the other with which he demanded a place that was denied him his language was the language of dishevelled romanticism full of involved expressions unfamiliar turns of speech delighted with extravagant comparisons and with whip-strokes and phrases which exploded like the clangour of noisy bells along the text in short d'orevilly was like a stallion among the geldings of the ultramontane stables des Essaintes reflected in this wise while re-reading here and there several passages of the book and comparing its nervous and changing style with the fixed manner of other church writers he thought of the evolution of language which darwin has so truly revealed compelled to live in a secular atmosphere raised in the heart of the romantic school constantly being in the current of modern literature and accustomed to reading contemporary publications barbet d'orevilly had acquired a dialect which although it had sustained numerous and profound changes since the great age had nevertheless renewed itself in his works the ecclesiastical writers on the contrary confined within specific limitations restricted to ancient church literature knowing nothing of the literary progress of the centuries and determined if need be to blind their eyes the more surely not to see necessarily were constrained to the use of an inflexible language like that of the eighteenth century which descendants of the french who settled in canada still speak and write to-day without change of phrasing or words having succeeded in preserving their original idiom by isolation in certain metropolitan centres despite the fact that they are enveloped upon every side by english-speaking peoples meanwhile the silvery sound of a clock that tolled the angelus announced breakfast-time to des Essaintes. he abandoned his books pressed his brow and went to the dining-room saying to himself that among all the volumes he had just arranged the works of barbet d'orevilly were the only ones whose ideas and style offered the gaminess he so loved to savour in the latin and decadent monastic writers of past ages end of chapter twelve recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey